0: everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Investing Q and A with Antoine Martel. I'm your host, Antoine Martel. The way this show works is super easy. First, people go to my Instagram at Martel Antoine. They DM me their questions. I tell them I answer it in a YouTube video. And now i am answering their questions here live on camera for all of you guys to see because a lot of the dms that i do get are very repetitive questions so i felt like if i just filmed it put it somewhere online for people to go and look it up reference it etc it would help a lot more people than just helping that one person that i dm back right so that's what the whole goal of this show is to help you guys to answer your questions i'll probably be answering around five questions it goes anywhere from five minutes to 10 minutes long normally is how long these videos are so let's get right into it and go through some of my dms all right the first question comes from rrulo 99 he said actually yeah Raul raul martinez he says your preferred what is your preferred funding structure for apartment buildings what's the minimum cash on cash return you look for in a deal so my preferred funding structure for apartment buildings so apartment buildings get a little bit tricky. So if you're buying a property and the loan is less than a million dollars, then it's very hard to get financing. The reason why is the only government-backed apartment building financing is by Freddie. Actually, there's Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, but all of them have loan minimums of a million dollars. So if you're buying an apartment building and the loan is over a million dollars, great. You're in that you can go and get funding from government backed debt agency debt, which is going to be super low interest rate, like four, four and a half percent, 4%, which is great. But the deals that I've been buying, I've been buying the deals for 700 grand, a million bucks, 1.5 million bucks. And so all the loans are, are lower than a million dollars, which means I can't use that agency debt. So I have to go and find other funding sources for those deals. So the ways that I have been finding those funding sources for those deals is what's called asset-based lenders. The reason why I need to use asset-based lenders is because I use—I have my own business, and so I don't have a W-2, I don't have a really good 1099. If you don't pay yourself a W-2 or 1099, then you have to go to these asset-based lenders who are gonna give you a loan on this commercial rental property based solely on uh, the cash flow that this building produces. So, normally for all of my apartment buildings, I'm using this asset-based lender to finance all of these deals. And then the second part of the question was, um, how do I, what do I look for in the cash flow for those apartment buildings? So what's the minimum cash on cash return you look for? So the minimum cash on cash return that I look for Uh, on a yearly basis is around 10% cash on cash return, and then on an IRR basis, um, for normally like a five year IRR basis is uh, 15%. If you have no idea what IRR is, please go look it up and then keep playing the video. All right, question number two comes from Weary Traveler. Hey Antoine, love the account and information you provide. Had a quick question, what happens if you have a property and the renter stops paying rent but is still Occupying the property. How do you or the property management company handle this? I feel like you can go into a major loss if this goes into a legal battle. So, if you read my book, you would know the answer to this. First of all, if you want one of my books, it's go to free.martelantoine.com, free book. You pay for the shipping. I'll send you the book. Um, one of the first things is f- choosing a market and choosing where to invest in cash flowing rental properties or apartment buildings, you know, wherever you want to invest for cash flow. cash flow because that's the most important and one of those first rules is to find a state or a county uh but most likely a state that um is going to make your real estate investing business a success and one of those things is being a landlord-friendly state so finding a landlord-friendly state finding cities in those landlord-friendly states uh, that are going to allow you and your real estate business to have success and to thrive. And so when a tenant stops paying rent, you're able to evict that tenant, uh, seamlessly and painlessly, and also without breaking the bank. So normally our evictions cost anywhere from like four to $500. dollars they take probably around 14 to 30 days. Um, if a tenant doesn't pay by a certain day of the month, we can give them a three day notice to pay or leave. Um, cash for keys is where we pretty much go to tenants and be like, Hey, we know you're not paying rent. Here's 500 bucks please just leave the property this weekend, right? Um, we don't want to waste any other time. We don't want to go through eviction court. We don't want to take them to court. We don't want to waste anybody's time. It's going to cost me 500 bucks to go to court in 30 days. I might as well just give you the 500 bucks. Now you can use it and you can leave on your own accord, right? So choosing a landlord friendly state is going to be very important when you're first starting, um, to help protect yourself and pretty much to get your right foot in the door for when you're starting up this business. Um, you're gonna to wanna to be in a market that's gonna help make your business a success. All right, question number three comes from Rhonda. Um, Rhonda asks, hey, hello hello, Antoine, hope all is well. Thanks for the amazing videos you post. My husband and I close on our first investment property Tuesday and we're super excited. I had one quick question. Should we wait and save before we get our second or go the asset-based lending route to acquire our second investment property before the end of the year? So this was a couple months ago. As you can see, I'm pretty behind. but Rhonda, to, ask, to answer your question, if you can get conventional financing and use your W2 again and again and again, first of all, normally if you can buy that first investment property with your W2 income and get conventional Fannie Mae financing on that first rental property, getting rental property 2 through 10 is going to be on a walk in the park, um, as long as that property number one is rented out. If your bank is telling you otherwise, Please shoot me an email, and we can help resolve the situation. Because uh, that's how our lenders work. So I would definitely recommend finding the right lender who's going to make it possible for you to grow a scalable portfolio. Using an asset-based lender, I definitely wouldn't recommend it um, for single-family homes. For larger multifamily, it's almost a necessity. It's the only way to get into the deal. But if you have, uh, if you have a situation like mine, but if you don't have a situation like mine, I definitely wouldn't recommend an asset based lender for a single family home, especially if you bought that first deal with Fannie Mae, just keep using that conventional financing over and over and over and over again uh, until you get up to 10 properties. Then you can figure out and start to think about going in other routes and using hard money or using asset based lenders or using private money. or doing all those kinds of other creative financing deals is what I like to call them. But if you already have a system and strategy that's down and that's working, even though it just worked one time, keep scaling it. Go from two, number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Uh, Fannie Mae is going to limit you to 10 loans with them, but scale that up, get all the way up to number 10 and then me and you can start talking about what's next and what that conversation is going to look like is uh, first of all, how much more cash do you have available? if you have more cash and you have the ability to buy more properties, then great. We can start looking at asset based lending, all that kind of stuff. If you don't and you're tapped out with your cash, then okay, maybe it's time to start taking all your cash flow and using that cash flow to pay off a property. Once you pay off a property, then now that property is owned all cash. Now you have nine loans. Now you have slot to buy one more property um, and get another, conventional loan on that property. You see where I'm going with this? So it can keep going into infinity. You can keep doing that, repeating that process over and over and over again. All right, question number four comes from Elite Elite Mind 85 Can you burr a deal when you already put 20% down on it? So I do get this question a lot and I want you guys to really understand how a burr works and why a burr works. And so if you buy a property for a hundred thousand dollars, you put 20% down. So you put 20 grand into a deal, right? Um, the property doesn't need any renovations. The rents are a thousand bucks a month. So it meets the 1% rule. The thing cash flows nicely, probably around 200 bucks a month, right? If you bought it, right? And let's say you're three months in, four months in, you're like, ah, man, I need to get that $20,000 out. Well, sucks. You're not going to be able to, Um, especially if you bought that thing turnkey. It was already renovated. It was already rented out. Um, There's no really value that you can add. And let's say the thing appraised for a hundred thousand dollars as well, right? So there's no real, the only equity you have is really the cash you put in. That's a long-term investment. Um, That property, you're not going to be able to bur that property because there's no value add. There's nothing that you can cash out on. Uh, the only things that you're able to burr out are things where you're adding value, where the value went from hundred grand to $150,000. Um, and then now you're able to go to the bank and be like, Hey bank, I bought this for a hundred. I put 20 grand into it. Now it's worth 150. Can I get a new loan? That's the only way that you can do a burr. So if you're buying turnkeys or buying something traditionally that's already rented out, already renovated, you're not going to be able to complete a burr strategy on that deal. Fifth and final question, BMM dot O T W. His name is B M M. All right. This question is not real estate related, but he was asking about any branding tips he's getting into the music business. Um, so I would recommend content is going to be your number one, especially with the music business. How many songs can you put out? How much content you can put out? If you put out hundred songs a day, hundred songs a week, hundred songs a month, um, you know, how many of those songs and how many of your music is going to be out there and putting out a lot of content, a lot of content, especially in that space for realtors and for real estate professionals like myself, it's like, how much value can you add to the other person is always what I'm looking for. And how can you do that at scale? So back in college, I used to do it one-on-one with coffee meetings. Right. But then I realized, wow, this is taking a shitload of my time. One hour for one person, what if I spent one hour creating content, doing these videos, right? This takes me 10 minutes and maybe 10 minutes to edit, 20 minutes to edit, right? 30 minutes of my time, but how many people is it interacting with? A thousand people for that one hour. Maybe it's not as high of an engagement level, but that's fine. At least I'm reaching more and more people, right? So getting the attention out there, using your time wisely, smartly, uh, and not really wasting your time doing anything one on one. So that's what I would recommend if you're looking to break into anything and create a brand like I have on Instagram and with the turnkey business. So with that, please make sure to subscribe, like the video below. Um, go check on my Instagram at Martel Antoine DM me so that I can get your question answered on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you on the next one.